Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I am Ben Azevedo, your work nemesis, your micromanaging boss, and as usual, your backseat driver. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, your mechanic. We're commuting to work this week, drivers, to learn about work conflicts. Here's the quote of the day. When people respond too quickly, they often respond to the wrong issue. Listening helps us focus on the heart of the conflict. When we listen, understand, and respect each other's ideas, we can then find a solution in which both of us are winners. Dr. Gary Chapman. In our previous episode, we kicked off a new arc on conflict with an overview and some basic conflict management techniques. And this week, we're exploring a more specific environment for conflicts, the workplace. There are lots of unique things about conflict at work, but first off, what kinds of conflicts do we typically experience at work? There are a lot of different conflicts that can happen at work. (laughs) If you think about all of the people that you engage with, so conflicts with peers, direct reports, bosses, teams, customers, even conflicts with yourself when you're at work conflict with the content of your work. That's the general categories of different conflicts that can happen. Yeah, that makes sense. I think your relationships with those people are a little different than relationships with, say, friends or loved ones, and that changes the nature of the conflict. Yes. So what is different about conflict in the workplace? And we talked about last time some ways of managing it. Are those the same, different, kind of a, a variation of the same It's a variation of the same. One of the key things that's different in the workplace than in, say, a romantic or a friend-based conflict is the level of the connection between you and the other person. Oftentimes at work, those connections are relatively shallow. There's not a lot to buffer the conflict in in the relationship. Another element that happens in, in the workplace is power differentials. So think of like your boss or a direct report. Uh, Conflict with power involved in it makes it more difficult for people to really stand up and state what their needs are. There's also this willingness to accept influence. Again, this is a power differential thing. If I'm the boss and you're the subordinate, I may not be willing to accept influence from you when I really need to because you've got a better idea. Yeah, Uh, like digitizing our paperwork. (laughs) I thought we had digitized charts before you even joined the practice. Not the intake forms. Okay. There's also a power thing that you can do to manage those differentials, which is a technique of yes and, and that's building off of one another's ideas. This is way more powerful than people give it credit for, because if you join with another person saying, yes, I understand your point of view, and let's look at these things people are much more likely to open up to influence. Yes. I feel like you can abuse this. Yes. And this is actually an improv technique as well. (laughs) Sure. This seems like a way that you could ignore other people's needs, though. Last time we were talking about hearing the other person's needs and then asking if you can express your opinion. 
And if you're bulldozing other people by saying, yes, I totally heard you. And also this thing that I'm worried about. And that's not the idea, right? No, that's not the idea. And of course, any tool can be used as a weapon. So you're right. You can weaponize this one to just shove past the other person's point of view and express your own. Yeah, Uh, I just want to make that clear to the listener. That's not the intent here. You are still supposed to listen to the other person, even if they're your boss and you disagree, whatever. Or your subordinate and you disagree. You need to listen. And I mean, I, I think too, when you talk about a boss who is unwilling to accept influence, there's a whole other conversation about leadership and all of that. (laughs) If you're completely unwilling to accept influence from anybody subordinate to you, you're probably not a very good boss and you should do some self-reflecting on that. I also had a thought about, I don't know if this is a question or if y'all have any thoughts about this, but An interesting thing about the workplace when comparing it to family relationships, romantic relationships, or friend relationships is, you're right, Don, the relationships are often shallower, although they don't have to be, but they are often shallower. And yet you are bound to these people in as much as you are employed. So it's an odd situation where you're not very close necessarily, but you're also bound together. (laughs) Yes. And that's where conflict resolution becomes so important. Right. You don't have to like who you work with, but you do have to be able to work with who you work with. Sure. I feel like it's nicer to like who you work with, though. Do what now? It seems like it's nicer to like who you work with. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes. I guess you don't always have a choice. And Ben ignores the yes and that both of us just did. Yes. It's not my job to listen on this podcast. It's my job to ask the hard questions. One of the things that you can do with that, though, is to make a conscious effort to deepen the relationships, to really celebrate successes when you have them with folks so that the relationship becomes more resilient when conflict does occur. Yeah. And also recognize some people are not interested in that type of relationship. And so backing off and allowing that to be the nature, uh, a less deep or a less resilient relationship, if that's not what your coworker wants. You can only go so far. And if they're unwilling to, if they're unwilling to compromise, recognize the limits of this and be okay with it. Not all work relationships have to be ones you like. True. And, and that's why I was focusing on celebrating the successes the two of you or the group of you might have. I was thinking about a specific coworker who got angry whenever I celebrated their successes. Oh, uh, all right. Yeah. Some people just aren't going to like you. Doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> that's true. And then the conflicts are going to be much more difficult to manage. And then you quit and you yes. become a full-time therapist yeah. and you rock the world. <laughs> <laughs> There is a model of conflict management styles. Do you think that's appropriate to discuss here? I don't know what it is. Who's Thomas Kilman? Those are actually two consultants, Mr. Thomas and Mr. Kilman. Thomas and Kilman. And it's at style conflict management. Right. And they studied how conflict happened between folks. And they came up with five styles of conflict management that tend to describe folks based on two components. One is the willingness to share the needs that you have in whatever the situation is. And the other is the willingness to listen to the needs of the other person and what happens. All right. So what are the styles? It depends on how willing you are to do either. Actually, let's start this off in a different way. 
Is this some sort of like visual aid graph chart thing? It would be very helpful. And I can provide Unfortunately, this is an audio medium. So think about the x-axis as being right. your willingness to listen to the needs of others. And that's the, y the horizontal axis. bar, right? That's right. That's the horizontal one. And the y-axis being your willingness to share what the needs are from your point of view. That creates four quadrants. But there are five styles. <laughs> let's, let's stick with the four quadrants for just a second. Oh, my God. Is there going to be a z-axis? <laughs> yes. I'm not prepared. In the lower left-hand corner, this is low willingness to share three. needs and low willingness to hear the needs of other people. You have okay. the avoidant style. This is the person that doesn't answer the phone when you call and doesn't return your emails and doesn't respond to texts and just doesn't respond. They ghost you. This is the avoidant style. If you move up the y-axis and you're much more willing to share your point of view and the other person is still not willing to listen to your point of view, so low on that x-axis. So the graph is the conflict, not the individual. Yes, I see. But so not. one person is willing to share their needs. The other person's not willing to really listen to the needs. This, yeah, is, gotcha. an, this is the aggressor quadrant, aggressive quadrant. Um, one person is aggressive. One person is aggressive and very demanding. My needs will prevail. You got to do this. They want to share their needs, but they're not going to listen. So it is That's the person. It's not the conflict. I, okay. But yes. it's just, I, okay. It's coming together. It's coming together. It is the person. <laughs> Okay. And this is their conflict style. And you've probably met people who are very aggressive. They tell you what their needs are. They're not very willing to listen to your needs. Yeah, that's, that's me. Three-year-olds. All right. So think about the person now who is very willing to listen to the needs of the other person, but rarely states their own needs. This is the quadrant that's on the right-hand lower area. So yeah. they're willing to listen to needs, don't express their own. This is the accommodator. The person who just says, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do this. One of the challenges with the accommodating style is that eventually resentment builds because they have too much on their plate and no one has actually listened to their needs because they haven't spoken them. I was going to say, nobody right. can listen to their needs because they won't say them. And so it explodes and it's really bad. Messy. <laughs> yeah, it's very messy. All right. Upper right hand quadrant. This is the person who is very willing to state their needs and very willing to listen to the needs of the other person in whatever this conflict is. This one sounds good. Maybe I can be this one instead. And this one. is the cooperator. Yeah. Okay. Cooperation. Now, draw what an oval. What was the y-axis? <laughs> the y-axis is willingness, willingness to share to your needs. Yeah. Ah. So now draw an oval over the cross point in your drawing, Kim. Where should the top of the oval be? About halfway up the quadrants above and halfway oh, below no. the quadrants above, halfway to the That's left and halfway circle. to the right. Yeah, make it look more like an oval. Okay. Why? I don't know, because I want it. Anyway, <laughs> this is compromise. So compromise may include, this is your Z axis. It could include really stating your needs and listening to the needs carefully of the other person and not finding a solution that manages all of those needs. So compromise is this area in the middle because not all of the needs may be able to be met with any solution. Okay. But ideally, we would all want to be the top right corner 
person because we're sharing and listening and that's what leads to the compromise. So you would think that, but it's not true. Okay. All five of these styles have applicability in different situations. So okay. think about it. The aggressive one, that's really appropriate when there is a time bound or critical event happening. I don't need to listen to the needs of someone else if my kid is in the middle of the road and about to be hit. I'm just going to take action. <laughs> my need to save the kid trumps everything. If a building is on fire, I don't well, want to have are, a discussion about this. Just do what I tell you. Like, not really conflicts. This is like physical situations. But they can be conflicts if people have different ways of dealing with them. And they're often conflicts after the immediate rush is over. Okay. Because someone like, took charge. Someone took control. Like, oh, don't rush into the burning building. Yeah. Okay. And this happens in the workplace. There could be a customer need and it is at five o'clock on a Friday and you were just packing up and getting ready to, to go out. But this customer is in desperate need and you're going to have to stay late and call your partner and tell them, hey, I'm not going to be home and we're stuck with it. And then you have another conflict to deal with later. Yes, that's true. But that's where the aggressive position actually has applicability. The avoidant okay. one, that's the lower left hand. Sometimes things are just too hot between you and the other person, or there's already been a lot of conflict is what I mean in terms of hot, or you don't have the information that will allow you to solve the problem. So avoiding it might be the right thing to do, at least for a little while. <laughs> right thing to do, asterisk. <laughs> Please so, <see> footnote. <laughs> <laughs> the accommodator also is true. Sometimes you just need to accommodate. Someone gets sick and you need to take on some extra work for a week or two. Hopefully, they'll be willing to do that for you sometime in the future. But accommodating becomes the appropriate one. Now, cooperation, that's a, a great one and, and one that we should strive for, but not all of the needs may be able to be met by whatever we brainstorm. So compromise is where many healthy conflict management events end up. And compromise is being able to shift your style of conflict management based on the situation and the need? Compromise is all of the needs are on the table. None of the solutions meet all of the needs. So both sides agree to let go of some of their needs, prioritize them to okay. find a solution that fits. Yeah, I guess that's like definitionally compromise. I was trying to fit it into the this graph that I'm envisioning. So that's why the Z axis. Yeah. And yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It makes sense. It's interesting. I liked your descriptions of how each of the seemingly negative, some of the styles of conflict management seem negative at first, but you have a good point about the situations in which they are necessary or the right way to deal with a thing. Yeah. That's pretty nuanced, man. Good it's luck listeners. Cool. <laughs> in the last episode, we talked about that conflict can be constructive and is not always de destructive. And in a work context, especially, I think we would want conflicts to be as constructive as possible. So what are some ways to do that? Lencioni wrote a great fable called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And the opposite of those dysfunctions are the qualities a team can cultivate to make conflict more productive. So the first of those is developing trust. And many of you will remember the trust equation that we've talked about before, 
where trust equals reliability plus what? I was trying to remember them all. I don't remember it. (laughs) Reliability plus accountability plus... No. What? Credibility plus credibility. Are you a credible source of information plus approachability? Plus approachability. And this is the... How easy is it to come tell you something and feel like you're going to listen and hold it in confidence and not judge me? Divided by self-orientation. There you go. That's right. right. I wrote this on my whiteboard. Can you get a clean take of that? (laughs) Reliability, how well do you do what you say you're going to do? Credibility, how good of a reference are you for whatever the topic is? Approachability, how easy is it for someone to tell you the things that... Uh, they need to share with you. And then all of that divided by how self-oriented you are is a measure of your trustworthiness. And the more you cultivate that in a team, the easier it is to talk about things and to engage in conflict. And indeed, conflict is the second quality that a good team needs. They have to be willing to say, I don't agree with you, or there's a different way of doing this. Because out of conflict like that, better and new ideas emerge because we share different points of view and get depth of understanding. There also needs to be the willingness to commit. So we were just talking about compromise, right? Not all of the needs are going to be met. And maybe some of my needs aren't going to get met by whatever solution the team agrees to. I need to be willing after being heard to commit to whatever that solution is and not run it down or look for ways to undermine it. So that's what commitment is. That's the third quality. The fourth quality is accountability. And that's holding yourself accountable to whatever your part is in the the plan that's moving forward. And the willingness to hold others accountable for the parts that they have said they're going to do. The last of the five qualities is results. Actually measure. Are you getting the results that you intended to get with the plan that you came up with? And if you're not getting the results you want, change the plan. So those are the five qualities that make a huge difference in the workplace around managing conflict and also about being a very highly functioning team. That's pretty cool. I don't have anything to add to that. That's solid. That's cool. If you've never read The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, it's a great read. Yeah, I was half expecting you to just bust it out and read it to us. But... (laughs) It's probably for the best that we don't do that. It's a hundred and something pages. <laughs> that's a long fable. Yes, it's a very long fable, but it's that's, great. That's, that's like a novel. That's, that's a, a short that's story a short there. Story. It's not a fable. It, it's a fable because it's, a, it's about a new CEO. She's just been hired into this C-suite team and has to figure out who all the people are and how to manage their differences. Mm. It's actually Does that make it a fable? Yeah, because it's a f- not a true story, but it's it has a moral. Yeah, mm-hmm. are all of the C-suite people animals? No, it's not an allegory. <laughs> well, then it's not a fable, is it? <laughs> Just thinking about the just so stories. If there's one thing I know, they all got to be animals for it to be a fable. <laughs> okay, we're losing it, folks. Come on. All right. So for those of you in the workplace, this episode should give you some great insights and tools into managing conflicts at work. 
Next week, we'll be covering conflicts in romantic relationships, which is something we've discussed before, of course, but sometimes you got to hear a thing a few times for it to really sink in, like that trust equation. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, as always, for listening to our show. And until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azavitofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. And may the sun shine warm upon your face. 